0: Bloody Marys,
1: a uh, queer horror movie podcast. <laughs> this episode, we're reviewing Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror.
0: Oh, beautiful! Is that the actual name?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Why would I say
0: it otherwise? So That's just a little mini review or the old tagline. <laughs> and that is the end of the podcast. My favorite bit, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, we are uh, two uh, horror nerds who live in Hackney. Uh, Pronouns they, them. That's all, really.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) We have done this in the wrong order. Um, I'm an elevator full of blood, Sean. (laughs) And I'm your worst dreams come true,
0: (laughs) Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so there's some content notes. Um, None, just spoilers. Yes, and we might swear. Yeah, of course
1: so alex this is a significant milestone in our podcasting journey what because this is uh this is only the second black and white film that we're reviewing what (laughs) there's more um it's also the oldest film that we've reviewed so far
0: What?
1: By nearly 40 years. Sure. And it's also the only silent film that we've reviewed so far. Maybe the only silent film we will review as well. Or maybe not. Who knows? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the, uh, the other black and white film we reviewed?
0: It's completely gone out of my head. No, what is it? Psycho. I had to look back oh, through the whole see if we had if yeah, any. But of Psycho, Psycho is 1960. This is
1: 1922, oh, yes. um, and there are some slight stylistic differences. <laughs> Sorry, slight differences. <laughs> yes. um, so, uh, just a heads up: there are lots of different versions that you can see of Nosferatu. Um, the one that we've just watched is um, uh, is a version that was restored by the BFI and has music by James Bernard, or James Bernard. Um, but there are various different versions of it that are slightly c- are cut slightly differently. The text, like cards, are slightly different, and the music is different in various versions. Yeah. Um, and I'll explain what the reason is for that. But also, most of the notes that I've made for this film I actually made from a different version, <laughs> which I watched on YouTube. Because oh. uh, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube, but it's very low-res. So, uh, Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror... Um is a nineteen twenty two silent German expressionistic horror film. Um and it's directed by a chap called F. W. Murnau uh or Murnau, who uh was a gay man. A gayman? A gayman, yes. Uh and according to various sources the streets were paved with men, or whatever the... That's a, the place to go. That's it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Never mind. Um, uh, so uh, some say that he was very open about his sexuality. Others said that he was very deep, close about it. closeted. Yes. Uh, so the film uh, takes place in 1838. Uh, but it was shot between August and October of 1921, the year before it came out. So it was shot 100 years ago.
0: Ah, are are very
1: old. Very, very yeah, old. Let's from the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the film wasn't super successful for a number of reasons. Um, the German film studio that made it only made one film, which was this one, and it went bankrupt after. Of course. Um, there are various stories about what its connection to Dracula is there's a bit of an urban legend that it, that it was intentionally kind of, the names were changed of the characters to avoid copyright. But even in the original film, one of the title text cards said that it was, uh, inspired by, uh, Dracula, which means they wouldn't have gone to, essentially what they did was Germanify it with the names. So it's a German film filmed in Germany for a German audience. Um, so the characters' names are the biggest change. So Dracula is no longer called uh, Dracula; he's called Count Orlok. Um, and there are a few other changes as well. So there are a few of the characters from the book are kind of uh, cut out. Um, and in this one, uh, when Orlok bites a victim, he doesn't turn them into a vampire; um, it kills them. Ouchie. Although not always, as we find out. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Uh, And while in the original Dracula novel, um, he does sleep during the day. um, He's only weakened by sunlight. He's not killed by sunlight. Uh, He's killed with a stake through the heart. So this is the first depiction of a vampire that is killed by exposure to sunlight. Um, And that didn't exist in vampire lore until this film. Okay, that's interesting. Um, It is interesting, thank you. So by the time this came out, um, the novel of Dracula was about uh, 25 years old, and uh, following the release of the film, uh, Bram Stoker's widow, Florence Stoker, uh, sued for copyright infringement (laughs) um, and won. Of course. (laughs) So the, the court ordered all existing prints of Nosferatu to be burned, but one print had already been distributed around the world, so what we see now is the surviving cut or a surviving cut of the that film that was distributed worldwide oh, that survived oh. the burning. So this could very easily have been a completely lost film. <gasps> um, so the... Um, uh, in spite of the fact that everyone's probably seen a slightly different version of the film, um, it has become a cult film over the years, um, and its influence is very apparent on the vampire genre um, in particular. Um, and I think it was about ten years later when the first proper, authorised Dracula film came out. It's thought that there are, although there are many different surviving prints of this and restorations, um, there are sort of seem to be three complete restorations and two kind of partially restored, incomplete restorations. So as well as lots of the, um, the well, as well as the original like reels being destroyed, um, the original score has also gone. So that was composed by Hans Erdmann, Oh, I was um, going to say Hans Molman. <laughs> <laughs> he is multi-talented and old. <laughs> um, it was composed by Hans Molman um, and it was made to be performed by an orchestra live during screenings.
0: Fine.
1: Um, and I have actually seen it being performed once. Oh. Not the original score, but a score live. And it's definitely worth seeing if you get the opportunity to. Fine. So most of the original score is lost. What remains on some versions is kind of... Uh, Reconstruction of Parts of it And other parts of it But the one that we've watched I think is a, a, an original one Because it Responds more Immediately to the Story Whereas the one The, the other one that I've heard Is just more sort of Ambient throughout ah. um, um So uh The movie was banned In Sweden Uh due to excessive horror Ooh. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, And the ban was only lifted In 1972 lol <laughs> Yeah Um so the, uh, the man who plays uh, Count Orlok is called Max Schreck. Um, and he was about six foot four um, and a very uh, highly regarded stage actor. And uh, there was a rumor that swirled around that he actually was a vampire. Swirled? It swirled that he actually was a vampire. And there's a film about that very thing uh, from 2000 where he's played by Willi- Willem Dafoe called Cham- Champagne, not that, Shadow of the Vampire. Champagne
0: of the v- Vampire. Of the Vado.
1: <laughs> um, where uh, it's like a documentary of the making of the film, and it turns out that Max Schreck was really a vampire. Fun. Um, so there are a few kind of uh, blooper-y, glitchy bits in it. So the, um, lots of the scenes featuring Nosferatu were actually in daylight, which obviously doesn't make any sense because it should kill him. Yeah, Um, And sometimes it's quite difficult to tell what's day and what's night. So that's why they put a kind of bluish filter over night time and a pinkish filter during the day. Yeah, I only got that like halfway through. Yeah, it (laughs) can be a bit confusing. (laughs) Uh, So Nosferatu has been selected by the Vatican um, in the art category of its list of 45 great films. Random. I know, I didn't know it had a list of great films, but there are 45 and they're in all oh, the other ones are. I look them up so that there's like things like Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. The Sound of Music. Um, I feel like Nosferatu does stand out as being a Gandhi. It's one of them, Ben Hur. Um, so that they're in three sections. There's one which is art, one is religion, and one is uh, like morals or values or something. Mm. Um, but this one falls into the art one. The character of Nosferatu is only seen on screen for um, a bit less than nine minutes oh. uh, in total throughout the film, uh, and is, doesn't make his first appearance until uh, 21 minutes into the film. So as well as the, uh, the controversy uh, over, uh, with uh, Florence Stoker over the rights of uh, Dracula, uh, there's also another controversy that surrounds the film, which is uh, to do with anti-Semitism. So the uh, lots of uh, commentators, even at the time and many since, have said that the the appearance of Count Orlok, uh, who has a sort of a large hooked nose and claw like fingers and a big bald head, uh, resembles lots of the kind of uh, stereotypical um, caricatures of Jewish people yeah. that was shown as like propaganda to German people. Um, <clears throat> and also, this film was nineteen twenty two, so it was very kind of. Um, timely for that sort of depiction Um, uh, there's also been a reading that uh, Orlok's interest in acquiring property in a German town um, uh, and kind of um, bringing with him like a plague of rats and stuff um, and terrifying uh, the the German people has also been seen as like um, uh, a writer called Tony Magistrail said that the film's depiction of and I quote, an invasion of the German homeland by an outside force poses disquieting parallels to the anti-Semitic a- atmosphere festering in Northern Europe in 1922. Um, however, it's been disputed that there was any anti-Semitic intent behind this film. Well, I was going to say the story already existed and then it? it was set in England. It did, but it, I guess the part of the idea of it being changed to Germany was part of the the, the kind of issue with it, but, um, a, a writer called Kevin Jackson has said that the director, uh, was friendly with, some of his friends were Jews, essentially, friends is the best yeah. with Jews. um, so, uh, was friendly with and protective of, uh, a number of Jewish men and women throughout his life, including Jewish actor Alexandra Granach, who plays Knock in Nosferatu, and Knock is the, uh, estate agent, yeah. um, so, uh, so yes, it's been disputed that there was any anti-Semitic, uh, Intent, but it's still kind of uh, can be read that can way. Can be read that way, and is sort of a contested uh, moment of an otherwise very joyous film. It's absolutely charming. Yes, um, and that's all I have to say about that. That's all, folks. Fun. So the the title card tells us that this is eighteen thirty eight and is a chronicle of the Great Plague of Europe, um, and then cool. and then another. Uh, this might potentially be quite a short recap because there's not much dialogue in this film. There's
0: no, actually no dialogue. No,
1: but we have said that in few past ones and still rattled on for six days about it. So, well, that's um, true. Um, so the opening title card says that uh, says Nosferatu. Does not this word sound like the call of the death bird at midnight? Uh, you dare not say it, since the pictures of life will fade in, life, life will fade into dark shadows. Ghostly drums will rise from your heart. Dreams will rise from your heart and feet on your blood. I'm not going to read all the title cards because the, the, the font is not completely legible. And by which I mean my writing. Um, so we see a, um, an overview of a town called Wisborg. Uh, which <laughs> you're a Whizborg?
0: The Whiz all over your Borg.
1: <laughs> um, oh no, that's Whizzing me Borg. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Whizborg does not exist. Oh, it's uh, it's like a is it a portmanteau where you switch to switch to oh, like Weimar and Lisburg or somewhere I don't know some places. Um, <laughs> Whizman.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, it's actually quite confusing because the. It seems like the main text that tells the story is written in the first person, but it's not cl- clear about who yeah, who's, who's telling the story. the story, because it's like uh, the beginning and the end of the great death in my hometown of Wisborg, and and then later refers to her to having said something personally to the person. Yeah. So yeah, it's unclear who the narrator is. And I guess that kind of plays into the book, because the book is written by like several different people. Um, But yeah, it kind of like it's written through like letters and diaries and stuff um, and it switches perspective. But you always know who's telling the story, I think. Um, So anyway, we're introduced to Hutter and his young wife, Ellen. Um, And Hutter is uh, in his uh, boudoir and he looks out of the window and it's a lovely sunny day. A lovely
0: grey-pink A lovely pink day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Ellen is leaning out of a window also in a different room, and she's playing with a cat on the windowsill. Um, and Hutter goes and uh, picks a lovely bunch of flowers uh, and, and takes them to Ellen. Um, Ellen uh, takes the flowers and gives them a big hug, uh, but then says, Why have you killed them? They're beautiful flowers. And then, uh, and then we see Hutter walking down the street and bumping into an unnamed character, um, who says, do not hurry, young, my young friend. Nobody can escape his destiny. And then Hutter, uh, Hutter keeps walking and, and the man just laughs to himself. That is quite hapless, like a hapless fool, I'd say. Yes. Um, so we're then introduced to, uh, the real estate agent, Knock, um, and he is, uh, he looks a bit sort of mad professory with big wiry hair. Yeah. And big eyebrows. bald head. Yeah, and sort of um, rotty little crazy teeth. Crazy teeth. Yeah. And he is sitting in an office reading uh, a letter that's written in sort of strange symbols. Yeah. And sort of gleefully laughing to himself. Yeah, they look kind of like like real like uh, sigils and things. I wonder where they're going like... to the stuff from. Yeah, anyway. the, the, you do see some close-ups of it, and there's, like, a little skull, and there's also, like, a drawing of a house as well. Yeah, um, it's a bit like, kind of alchemy symbols and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he calls in um, Hutter from the other room, who obviously works for him, and he tells him that, which is presumably what he's got from this letter, which is that Count Orlok from Transylvania is looking to buy a nice house in, in Wisborg, um, and that you could earn a lot of money... And uh Hatter goes and look Hutter, not Hatter, the Mad Hatter. The Mad Hatter. <laughs> uh, goes and looks at the map to figure out how he's going to get to Transylvania, which is a little bit of a question mark over this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Nock says he wants a very nice deserted house and that house opposite yours. Um, Offer him that one. He points out the window and we see this very sort of bleak looking Yeah, it's got like no windows.
0: It's like a giant sort of factory in a real (laughs) such.
1: And he says, travel quickly, travel well, young friend, to the country of ghosts. And robbers. And robbers. Um, So, uh, uh, Hutter tells uh, Ellen, who is quite bereft by the news. She's real sad. Yeah, and he joyfully packs his bags. Yeah, he doesn't Um, give us two shiny shits. No, he doesn't. He's ready to go. Um, and he he leaves his worried wife, who's obviously incapable of looking after <gasps> herself, uh, with uh, his friends, the the rich ship owner called Harding. And his sister Ruth, who lived in a very beautiful house with a sweeping outdoor staircase. It is nice, very sweeping. Yes, and uh, she she cries as he leaves, and then runs after him and has a, a, a little a final s- hug, a sad embrace. I like that bit. Yeah, <laughs> was that your favourite? <laughs> bit? That's my favourite. Scariest bit. Yeah, was <laughs> <scary>. <laughs> Um So then we see him. Uh, we see him mounting a horse and going off on his muddy way Whee! to Transylvania. Um, We find out that um, uh, after um, traveling on many dusty roads, he finally sees the glowing peaks of the Carpathians, Um, and and it it becomes more tricky for the horses. Yeah, it's very far.
0: I I don't have any. I was thinking I don't have any idea of like how long horses can go for.
1: Well, I'm not sure this is a very accurate portrayal of journey because I looked. I had no sense really of where Romania sat on the map because I'm not a geographer. Um, I'm, I am not a geographer <laughs> I'm not a cartographer <laughs> um, and I, I also don't know what the countries would have been in the 1920s because I don't think it would have been called Czechoslovakia would it or would it no, like no, the Czech no, Republic no. I think you have to go through, through the Czech Republic like Austria it's very somewhere very else. So it's like four no. countries to get to Romania anyway it
0: says it would take 12 days to
1: walk it Oh, that's not that long. Solid walk.
0: I don't know if that's actually, like, taking breaks or that's, that's... Oh, cool like, formats. non-stop walk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. if you factor in a little, like, uh, Airbnb yeah. night, um, <laughs> picnics, uh, stop off, capture some of the local sites. <laughs> um, anyway, it's probably an unfeasible journey, but I think, like, 12 days on foot would be, like, half that time on a horse.
0: Yeah. Oh yes, maybe,
1: anyway, whatever.
0: Anyway, so... <laughs> you don't see any of the, the journey, he just
1: arrives. It's, it's, not, it's not in real like, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise we'd have answers. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, he arrives at an inn um, and is welcomed in by... Uh, welcomed
0: in at the inn. At the inn.
1: <laughs> by uh, a sort of portly man with a curly moustache. Um, and I think him and uh, the the woman that works there, uh, his wife maybe, perhaps, um, are in more sort of like Romanian looking dress than yeah. uh, than Hatter is. I'm not familiar Hunter. with Romanian dress. I, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> notice that detail. Um, so he uh, they welcome in welcome him in. He has a little drink, um, and he says quite rudely that he wants him to hurry up with his meal because he has <laughs> to go to Count Orlock's castle. And at this point. There's a collective gasp across yeah. the, the punters.
0: Everyone like looks real scared,
1: horrified, um, and then the landlord or whoever it is comes up to him and says, "You can't go out now. The werewolf is roaming the forest." <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: then we see uh, we see a, a, an outdoor shot of a werewolf oh. stalking around, <clears throat> and the werewolf is actually a striped hyena. Yeah, Um, just
0: minding its own business. Yeah, it doesn't look very menacing. No, Um, it's kind of cute. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: then we see some horses running away. um, And we also see some uh, some kind of locals outside looking very scared. Um, So uh, Hutter is taken up to a room in the inn um, with a very tall bed. Yeah. Um, very leggy. Yes, he's taken a very <laughs> leggy bed. Uh, he's taken up by the uh, the woman who hangs up his hat and b- sort of folds the bed back for Fusses him. A <laughs> and he takes off his jacket and finds a book uh, which he fingers through. Does he just find the book there and no, then he steals it? Yes. Wow. Um, it's not the worst thing that happens in the. This is it. It is the worst. (laughs) The scariest bit (laughs) is that that he goes unpunished for (laughs) that. And the book is called Of Vampires, Terrible Ghosts, Magic, and the Seven Deadly Sins. Um, And then he reads the first page, which says, Out of Belial's seed (laughs) appeared the vampire Nosferatu, who lives and feeds of human blood. He lives in terrifying caves, tombs, and coffins. These are filled with goddamn soil from the fields of the Black Death. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, he he, he goes to bed. <laughs> and then he, he wakes the following morning, looks out of the window, and sees some horses gaily jumping around.
0: Gaily. Um, and looks
1: delighted. He washes his face. Yeah, in a
0: giant bowl of
1: soup. In a giant bowl of soup. And then later we see him getting on a horse uh, outside. Oh no, he doesn't. He gets in a carriage outside mm-hmm. and someone's going to take him the rest of the way. Uh, and once again, he, as he seems that he's quite impatient, he leans out of the side uh, of the coach after a yeah. while and says, hurry up, the sun is going down. Um, but the uh, the people steering the, the carriage say that they're not going to go any further and that he couldn't pay them anything. It's too scary. It's too haunted and scary. Yes. So we then see... We then see Hutter uh, walking uh, as the sun is setting, um, and we see an approaching carriage, which is black. It's all kind of like swathed in black curtains. Yeah, all spooky. the horses are black. And a mysterious man with a long <laughs> nose <laughs> uh, pulls up. Very well disguised. A very well disguised man pulls up riding this and doesn't say anything but points to the carriage with the sort of riding crop thing. Hutter looks a little perturbed, but gets in anyway. And then when they arrive at the castle, uh, not, well, the, the secret... Whoever who it, it was. The hidden driver <laughs> uh, points to the castle with his riding crop and then rides away. So Hutter looks back with some concern, but then goes into the, uh, into the castle. Um, so he goes into, like, a courtyard area, and then he sees, for the first time was it uh, Nosferatu Nosferatu's wearing like a sort of crushed velvet jacket and like a sort of like a nightcap. Um, he's hilarious and he's holding his hands kind of like a like, like a grandma across yeah, his like, chest, holding a big bunch of keys yeah and he looks like a nerd you
0: yeah. found him really cute didn't you he? he's like a little cute nerd <laughs>
1: um so uh they greet each other and uh, Count Orlok says, I've waited too long. Um, uh, it's almost midnight. The servants are all sleeping. And then he takes them inside for some food. Um, so at the dinner table, Nosferatu is uh, peering over the top of this contract that he's reading. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Hutter is helping himself to some bread. Um, we see a close-up of a very cool clock with like a little skeleton on top of it. Oh, yeah. And uh, And as it strikes midnight... Um, Hutter gets uh, a shock and cuts him, his thumb as he's cutting the bread. Um, Nosferat, sorry, Count Orlok immediately notices this and says, "You've hurt yourself. The precious blood." And he tries to like suck his thumb. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Hutter starts to like gets up and. Barks. Oh, I thought yeah, she did suck it. it uh, you can't quite see because it's yeah, kind of like yeah. from behind, but yeah, maybe it did. But Hutter is very concerned either way and starts. It stands up and starts to back away. Uh, towards uh, some seats by uh, a fire, and uh, Nosferatu suggests that they uh, they spend little time together that evening uh, because uh, he and uh, Count Orlok says that he sleeps at, uh, during the day, not at night. So they sit down together, but then the next thing we see is the next morning, and Hutter is alone and slouched along the ch- uh, across the chair, sleeping. And he wakes up, he feels his neck, and then he gets a little pocket mirror out of his bag or pocket. Uh, (laughs) and looks at it and his bag mirror out of his bag (laughs) yes and then he sees uh, two small uh holes on his neck whatever could they be I don't know for sure I don't well you also didn't see them did you I couldn't even see them no yeah they were they were quite faint but I also watched it very recently a different Uh. version where you could see it a bit more clearly um so his uh He's not too perturbed about the holes in his neck because he spots a lovely feast that's been prepared for him on the table, Yes, um, which he rushes to and greedily devours. Nom, 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 um, nom. He then goes outside for a bit of a walk and he goes into this kind of like, uh, I don't know, I, like this sort of like stone, it's like a gazebo, I don't know what it's called, like a big stone sort of thing. Anyway, he goes, a folly, should we say. Oh, a folly! <laughs> <laughs> he goes into a folly uh, that overlooks the mountains and pens a letter, uh, to, uh, to his bird. <laughs> I can't remember the name. Ellen. Um, and it says, My love, my dearest, don't let it anger you that your beloved is far away. The mosquitoes are a real pest. I've got two bites on the neck, very close together, each on one side. Um, and I think that's a bit of a clumsy, uh, translation, because I think it just means side by side. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, all of the kind of text in this is a little bit kind of stilted and weird. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and then he flags down someone riding past on a horse and gives him the letter to post. Um, and then it's a very short day because the go- the ghostly evening light uh, again seems to uh, uh, revive the shadows of the castle. As oh we're no, told. here comes the blue. <laughs> yes. So then we're inside again and we see um, uh, what's his face? Count Orlock, reading the contract again. And he notices a, um, what's it called? It's like a, what is it called? Like a little, not a pendant, but it's like a little, the little photograph of uh, Ellen. Oh, right. It's like a little I just, kind know, of it's oval a little framed.
0: shaped. Um, oh, they have a funny name, don't they? But it's a little framed picture of Ellen that yeah. he just accidentally drops on the table.
1: Um, and uh, Count Orlock notices this and looks at it gleefully and says, Your wife has a beautiful neck. And then this seems to be... We can read between the lines that this seems to be the deciding factor on whether or not he's going to move in next door to them. Mm. Um, He's sold. So he's sold. He signs the contract. Done. Um, So then we see uh, uh, Hutter in bed, or getting ready for bed anyway, and he takes the book that he stole from the inn out of his pocket and reads another page which says... During, I feel like you would be more equipped to this situation if you just read more. Just yeah, I, time. Don't like, I don't
0: like his interactions with the book. They're stressful and annoying.
1: <laughs> well, I am about to stress you out by reading the page <laughs> from the book, which says, During the night, Nosferatu clutches his victim and sucks their blood like a gruesome, life-saving drink. Beware so that his shadow cannot burden your sleep with horrible nightmares. Ah, that makes a little bit of sense of what happens next. Um, so um. he, um, the clock strikes, mid- strikes midnight. Uh, Hutter opens the, uh, the, 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 door of his room and the door is kind of like pointed at the top. It's yeah. It's kind of, uh, very gothic. Um, and he looks out and he sees Nosferatu standing in the shadows, kind of lit slightly by moonlight. Um. Is it meant to be that he doesn't know Nosferatu is Count Olaf? Uh, I think he's probably begun to figure it out now they thing... look identical except for the hat on without a hat <laughs> well he doesn't know what I think he figures it out now okay because um, this is the first time he's seen Nosferatu um, yeah without the hat on yeah I mean. I see. Um, right. so uh, he uh, Hutter runs back into his room and looks around to see if there's a way out um, but it's a long drop down, so he just gets into bed instead, which is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the door slowly swings open, and then uh, Nosferatu looms, looking very slender and thin, tall. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the more kind of iconic shots of the film.
0: Yeah.
1: And then uh, and then we're told that at the very same hour, um, we see Ellen asleep. And she, all of a sudden, she's at the uh, Harding and Ruth's house, of course. Mm. And she sits up... Uh, F- f- with some vigour um, Vim as well vim, yes And walks to the open uh, w- French windows That lead onto the balcony And then she goes onto the balcony And climbs up onto it's the a very generous property. Oh, it's quite generous mm-hmm. um, She climbs up onto the Um What's it called? called The Balcony, balcony, yeah. Like like the railing sort of thing. It's not railing though. I was going to say awning. I was going to say balustrade. (laughs) What what are they called?
0: Balcony
1: ledge, I guess. Uh, Well, anyway, she she climbs onto a perilous spot and walks along with her hands outstretched. Um, And luckily, um, Harding, who was awake and doing some writing in the other room, comes through and sees her and shouts, Ellen! And then uh, runs and... As uh, she falls into his arms, and he says, "A doctor, a doctor!" and then some some sort of hired help who <laughs> pokes around the corner, uh, gets and fetches a doctor. Yeah, she pops her head in for five seconds and then disappears. I was like, her starring role. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we see the doctor sat by the bedside with them, um, and she is in a sleep now. But then she kind of jerks out of it and sits up again and says, "Hutter, Hutter." Um, and then we see, we go back to uh, Nosferatu's castle and we see um it uh, it's difficult to tell what's really happening here but Hutter is on the bed potentially asleep or maybe just closing his eyes yeah and then we see the shadow of Nosferatu kind of loom over him and then slowly uh, descend back but now having reread what the book says i think it just means that he's now going to have horrible nightmares because, because shadow the shadow is cast on him yeah I see. um and then um so we go back to ellen who's kind of holding her hands out looking a uh, a little worse for wear not great and the doctor just says it's just just harmless blood congestions mm. um Sounds pretty
0: deadly, yeah. actually um, <laughs> yeah, and, blood clots uh, <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> um so he he um he the doctor apparently describes it to the narrator as being uh An unknown illness. Um, But the narrator says, I know, however, that her soul had heard the call of the death bird tonight. Squawk. 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 (laughs) 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 Squeepy-cheepy. So, in the morning, uh, Hutter wakes up and wants to do a bit of exploration. So he goes outside and finds a sort of crypt. Um, He goes into it and finds a coffin that has a crack in the, the lid, <laughs> and uh, and he and through it he can see Nosferatu. His little cute face poking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he opens it, and Nosferatu is lying with his arms sort of crossed down in front of him. Yeah. Um. And Hutter kind of staggers backwards in fright and collapses. Uh, we then see him in his room, and he looks out of his window, and it's later now. And we see Nosferatu lifting his coffins onto, like, the bed of a, like, a carriage that's pulled by horses, yeah. Um, And he puts the the coffins up there, and then he climbs into the top one, and then the lid floats That's through like, the is. sky weird? and lands like, on it. Jumpy stop motion then flying on top. Yeah, so that was obviously, I don't know why it's worth saying, but it was done by stop motion. And, <gasps> no! Uh, and aside from the, and one of the big giveaways is obviously that the horses are still moving in the background, so they're also really disjointed as well. Uh. <laughs> uh, and also, you it's of course, it's stop you motion. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Hutter at this point seems to figure that he's going to, that he's now worried that Nosferatu is going to get there before he does and he's, he shouts, "Alan, Ellen. And he makes he, uh, from uh, his bedsheet. He makes a uh, um, uh, not a noose, like a, a rope uh, to climb out of the window. Uh,
0: Why didn't he just leave the normal way?
1: Well, I, if, I, would you be thinking rationally, Alex? I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think like, I would, actually. Yeah, well. I don't know why
1: I didn't do that, because actually this did delay his journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he falls. <laughs>
0: Unsurprisingly. Yes. Uh,
1: and lands sort of by the cliff. Um, and then we see an overhead shot of uh, some men sailing a big raft that's got the coffins on them. Yeah. And we're told um, that the raftmen did not know anything about the creepy load they were taking down Yes, yeah, It's been a while since I've taken a, a creepy load up my river, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and I intend to know about it. <laughs> um, the, uh, so we then see Hutter in a hospital of some sort. Uh, and we're told that farmers brought him there and that they assumed he'd plunged from a mountain and he still has a fever. Um, and there's, a, a, I guess, a doctor and a nurse who are standing over him. And he kind of wakes up and says, Coffins! Coffins Um We then see uh the coffins stacked by a ship about to be loaded. Um and the that it's the, and we find out that the ship's going to sail tonight. And the uh I, I was gonna say the cabin crew, but that's not what they're <laughs> Uh the trolley dollies um, <laughs> uh they're like ship people, shipmen. The Harold Shipman, oh! <laughs> the ship people. What the, are
0: they called? The crew.
1: The crew. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> open up one of uh, one of the coffins, and it's just full of mud and rats. Um, and he squishes one of the rats, but uh, then they're obviously not too concerned about that. Uh, oh
0: well, I don't mind shipping mud and rats.
1: <laughs> Seems a valuable use of everyone's <laughs> time. We then visit the home of Professor Bulwer. Um, I actually really struggled f- to figure out if Professor Bulwer and the Doctor are the same person art because they look exceptionally similar to each other. There's quite a lot um, of similar-looking monsters in this <laughs> film. There <they> are. <laughs> um, the, um, so anyway, this professor uh, is showing some students... Uh, a Venus flytrap, and then like a sort of polyp in water that like absorbs something. I do not know whether
0: that was a real thing or not. Like
1: whether that was just, like
0: a fictional creature or
1: not. It's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it probably is a real this thing. A little jellyfish or something. Yeah, but he says uh, he says to students that the Venus flytrap is like a vampire, and that the polyp is like a phantom. Um, and then we go back to the normal story that makes more sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then we are now in a policeman's office. Uh, and uh, one policeman comes in and tells the I don't know the chief of police or whatever um, that the uh, that there's a patient that they brought in. Um, I mean, it seems like it's an asylum sort of thing, but it's also just a prison cell. But mm. maybe there wasn't really that much of a distinction between the two back in them days. A
0: palatial room for a prison
1: cell. No, there's nothing in it though. There's a bed, like a stone bed. Oh, I thought it was a normal bed. No, Aww. stone bed. Stonewood. <laughs> yes. Um uh, and they say that they, the, the person that they brought in yesterday has had an attack of acute mania. Cutie. Um, and we see Nock, the estate agent, sat on the end of the bed, uh gleefully watching a fly fly around, and then he grabs it and eats Eat it. Eats it dom, 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 dom. and says, Blood is life, blood is life. <laughs> and he, the policeman look very uh very baffled. Uh we then see a scene of Ellen who is at the beach, uh, spending some time alone in her thoughts, sat on a bench watching the sea, surrounded by sort of wonky crosses. Um, and then we see Harding and Ruth playing croquet mm-hmm. uh, when someone arrives with some post. So they rush to the beach to give it to Ellen, and she reads the letter about the mosquito bites and, and looks very concerned.
0: Such a weird letter.
1: So, don't be angry, I'm gone. Also, I got bitten by mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing else to say. <laughs>
0: Please send this halfway across the world.
1: <laughs> and then, uh yeah, like, I mean, the timeline of this. How did the letter get there before Not for our students. Um.
0: <laughs> I, I, I was trying to look on the map, so I must have gone all the way down... Like, around... Yeah, it's just it's a really long way. And <laughs> boats are
1: really fast. I just... Anyway, it doesn't make sense to me. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, Hutter kind of discharged... A, di- oh, that's easy for me to say. Discharges himself from the hospital, saying that he has to go. Um, and then we see shots of the ship um, sailing. And we see... Uh, knock back in the, the cell... Um, surreptitiously steal a letter from the pocket of a man who's cleaning uh, the room. And the letter talks about how a plague is pro- broken out in Transylvania um, and on the ports and the Black Sea and young people are dying in masses and blah, 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 strange scars on their neck. And then we're on board the boat uh, where the captain is having a little bevy in his quarters. What's it called? Cabin. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then a, sh- a shipman comes down. <laughs> what are all these things? <laughs> I I, things? i I never need to talk about boats. <laughs> um, starboard and, bow. <laughs> and his his uh, his his captain's mate, starboard bow, um, <laughs> comes <Christ> down. <laughs> <There> she blows. <laughs> uh, comes down and says. Uh, a sailor's sick below deck. He's delirious, blah, blah, blah. So they uh, they go down and, and see this guy in a hammock who's looking very uh, sort of pasty and unwell. Um, and then they leave. And then he sits up and sees a sort of apparition of Nosferatu mm. kind of leaning against the coffins. Yeah. And then we find out that um, that the first infected sailor dragged all crew with him, which I think is kind of blaming the wrong person there. But anyway, ultimately... All but the captain and his ship's mate died. Um, and we <laughs> see them throwing off the last body over the side. Um, the ship's mate has a an axe, and he says, I'm going to go downstairs or below deck, and if I'm not back up here in ten minutes. And then he doesn't say what, what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he goes down, he smashes into one of the uh, coffins, and some rats come out. And then the other one... Uh, The uh, Nosferatu kind of uh, rises from um, Mm. like a sort of... Lying down
0: angle straight up like a pop-up book.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) a good way of describing it. Um, Yes. And then uh, we see the captain steering the ship and then uh, the ship's mate runs up and in in a panic kind of climbs up on a barrel and tumbles into the sea. And then we see uh, Nosferatu arise from the depths. Yeah, just a little
0: saunter around upstairs. Yeah,
1: and then we're told that the Death Ship has a new captain. And also Nostradamus' deadly breath is
0: filling the sails. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, So then we see Ellen back up to her old tricks again, uh, walking around on the balcony, um... kind of hands out to nowhere in particular. And this time it's... uh, uh it's the, the, the sister Ruth who comes to, to her aid, um and he says she says that he's coming, he's coming and she kinda of looks gleefully into the distance. Um we then see uh Nock looking climbing up on a stool and looking through the window of his cell and seeing a ship arise arriving and saying the master is close um and then he attacks uh the man who's coming in, the warden who's coming in to replenish a bottle of water or something. Or something. Yes. Um, so then we see uh, Nosferatu arriving, and he carries the coffin under his arm, <laughs> yeah. like I might a handbag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a
0: little clutch.
1: <laughs> um, I'm afraid you'll have to put that in the cloak. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a raffle ticket. <laughs> um, and then he so he wanders around with his coffin, and then he arrives by a little uh, rowboat that he doesn't need rowing because he's obviously got some sort of magical powers that arrives at his lovely new harrowing house <laughs> um, and he stands in front of the door and then just kind of disappears into it um, so not far behind him is Hutter who arrives um, back in Wiesburg. And so he's Hutter's been on a horse.
0: Yes. But to arrive by ship and they arrived exactly at the same time. They
1: did, which seemed to be about twenty minutes after that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hutter was in hospital for maybe three days. So <laughs> <laughs> the ship really didn't seem like a good idea. No. <laughs> um
1: so uh Alan is delighted to see Hutter. Uh they do a little hug and a little smooch. Um and meanwhile, the ship has arrived. Obviously, because we've seen Nosferatu get off it, but um, some some men, official-looking men yes, on, on the docks, a group of
0: suspicious men,
1: yes, uh, board the ship Sus- and find the body of um, the captain who has got little bite marks. And they say we've checked on board; there's no living, so- there's no living soul uh, here. Um, and then the, a, a man amongst these suspicious men finds the logbook. And he reads some of the dates uh, and he reads one page that says um, he lists the crew who was there. So there was him, a helmsman the ship's mate and five sailors. And that was on the 12th of July. Um, and then he's he then goes to a big sort of hall where there are lots of other suspicious men, including the doctor. Um, yes. And they look and they uh, they see that on the second day there was a sailor ill with fever on the fourth day um, that a mate was acting insane and that uh, there was an unknown passenger under deck. Um, yes. And then, uh, and then on the 10th day, which was the 22nd of July, it says, rats in the ship's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> plague threat. Um, and at this point, the doctor who's reading it says, plague threat, everyone go home, close the windows and the doors. And everyone scatters. Pew! Pew! (laughs) And then we see a man with a drum kit. Well, not a drum kit, a single drum. (laughs) Um, And he plays the drum, and people poke out of their windows, uh, and he announces this proclamation uh, that there's a plague, they can't be taken to hospitals, Um, everyone must remain indoors. Um, Yes, then people shouldn't be seen on the streets. And then we see a man going around with a big black hat, and he's putting drawing crosses on the doors. Of those places that have uh, infected people. Have been plagued. Uh, and one of the doors he stops at and uh, some pallbearers come out carrying a coffin. Coffin, yeah. Yes. So uh, we then see Ellen back at her house. Um, and uh, she's been told, instructed by uh, Hutter not to read uh, the book that he brought back. <laughs> Don't um, read this book. But she could not resist it, Strange Force. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so she's looking through it and uh she finds out um What does it say?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it the same stuff you already read about, like the
1: the blood being like the elixir of life? Yes. Stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yes. It's just normal Nosferatu stuff. Um and normal stuff. And Hutter comes in and is and is annoyed that she's reading it, but she points to the to the house that he's moved into, and uh, and she says that she sees it in her dreams every night, and she's scared, and blah blah blah. Um. So then we find out that uh, that fear, as well as the plague, have hidden in all corners of the town, and uh, the ship's mate Harding, not ship's mate, the captain or whoever it was, Harding, and his sister Ruth. Um. We see that Ruth is ill, um, and then we see a shot of uh. Alan looking through a window and seeing a street full of uh, people, uh, coffins being carried in a line. That's quite an iconic shot, It actually. is, yes. And that's when you said, oh, Nosferatu must be hungry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's really busy. He, like, he kills, like, the whole town. Well, I guess we don't know long this is ever a period you of know, so, like, I think half an hour. Yeah. Um, why are there
1: so many coffins in the street? It's like... Just killed another 50 today. Nothing who to were who already in coffins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ellen's still reading that book because she's just a glutton for punishment. Oh, God. But she might find something that will help save the day. So the next the page that she reads says, Nobody can save you unless a sinless maiden makes the vampire forget the first f- crow of the cock if she was to give him her blood willingly. So then we see lots of people being very scared around the village. And we see Hatter who they're gossiping about... Not Hatter. They're gossiping about Knock, who, has, who they've heard has escaped from his cell after strangling the guard. And then they see him running. Um, and then uh, lots of people chase him down the street and he climbs up on a roof and they're all trying to get to him and then uh, he sort of scurries off. Um, we then see him uh, hiding in a field and kind of crouching behind like a boulder and sort of laughing... And then we see. <laughs> he pops the
0: setup
1: and he's like, hee, can't catch me! <laughs> yeah. And then we see, uh, like, the silhouette of a scarecrow, and then a big crowd of people run to the scarecrow and think, I don't know if they think it's him, and they kind of pick it up and smash it about and keep the running. Them out. running
0: around looks a bit like a Benny Hulbert. <laughs> um, uh,
1: so it's nighttime, we see a man lighting a lamp and we see Nosferatu stood at the window looking over at Hutter and Alan's house Um, and Alan wakes up clutching her heart and goes towards the window and Nosferatu leaves to make his way over there Hutter is sleeping in a chair by the bed Alan goes to the window and looks out and then we see Nosferatu making his way over Um, Hutter wakes up and Alan kind of collapses in his arms again and he places her in the bed and... uh, and goes to get the doctor. Uh, she gets up again and goes and looks at the window. And at this point, we see the most iconic part of the film, which is Nosferatu's shadow as he looms up the staircase and to her bedroom door. Then we see her reaction rather than seeing him. Um, she... Uh, we see his shadow, the, hand, his, the shadow of his hand, kind of appear over her chest And then kind of clench as if he's like grabbing a heart or something. And she kind of responds as if she's in pain. Um, And uh, meanwhile, we see Hutter waking up the doctor. And then we see uh, the police chief finding out that they've caught Nock. And then we see a harrowing shot of Nosferatu biting at Ellen's neck. Nom 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 Nosferatu. <laughs> <laughs> um which I think is a really it's a really beautiful shot and it's really under uh uh underrated in terms of like iconic shots in this mm, film. It's, it's um, and then we see the cock crow, which has obviously distracted him as the as the book page suggests. Yes. Nosferatu looks concerned. Um, and then we we see... He does not like cock. No, we see it's... Hatter back in his sh- cell, um, and he know, he sees that the light's coming in through the window, and he's saying, the master, the master, and he climbs up, and then some guards kind of wrestle him down. And then Nosferatu goes over to the window, steps right into the light, um, and then kind of clutches his heart, puts his hand out, and then disappears in a puff of literal smoke. Literal. Yes. Um, and then we see... Uh, we see Nock, who's now all tied up in his cell, and he says the master is dead. And then he looks very sad, very sad. Yeah. And then Ellen sits up, her face uh, bathed in sunlight. She kind of puts her hands up in the air and says Hutter, uh, just as Hutter's arriving. And then she kind of falls into his arms, and then she dies. Yeah. Um, and Hutter kind of uh, kind of falls over and is sobbing. Um, and then the camera pans out, well it doesn't pan out because there's only one camera used for this film apparently. And huh? um, then we see another shot um, where it might have panned out had, had it. they had the, yes, the, the means to do it. Well you can still pan with just one camera. Anyway, blah blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then we see the doctor who probably is regretting getting up at all, um, just standing at the door um, and he takes his glasses off and rubs his eyes. Um, yeah. Um, and, and thinks,
0: it, yeah, what a waste of my time.
1: Yeah, and we're told that the plague has been contained. Um, and uh, and then we see a shot of like a silhouette of like a little kind of ruined castle. Mm-hmm. And then the title card, well, it's probably not the title card, it's the end card, says oh. the end.
0: I have uh, an uh, addendment that I'd like to make. Yes. Every time you said uh, to the window, do you hear that song? To the window! To the wall! To the sweat drips down my balls. Uh, you know that no, song?
1: that sounds more like a U song than a okay, A song. It's, what it's what, an what old is it? Classic. Is it how yeah, old?
0: Yeah, like I think it's nineteen. That's disgusting.
1: But yeah, that's what I thought every time you said to the window, because you said it quite a few times. When you were watching it, did the sweat drip down your balls? Yeah, oh. of course.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, so a little bit about representation... <laughs>
1: Um, this might be a tricky one. <laughs> yes, I
0: think we'll be uh, zipping through this section. <laughs> Although there's probably a lot to say about women. There's a lot to say. Mm. Really? Uh,
1: well, yes. Go on, then. Um, I feel like the character of Ellen is 90% very pathetic. <laughs> um like she's constantly collapsing into people's arms and weeping yeah 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 um even at the beginning just because someone picked her some flowers yeah <laughs> oh. um but ultimately she does save the day by sacrificing herself
0: yeah
1: um but she's also one of only two named women characters the other one is Ruth um and they do speak to each other, but it is uh, it, it is about H- Hutter. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder if it. I don't think it passes the McDonald test. <laughs> no. Um,
0: yeah, I was reading a little bit about like just general like vampire fiction. How generally like that kind of, this kind of well, Dracula and like some of the ones around that era are basically like moral tales about women being seduced away from um, their kind of like morality and men saving them and bringing them back to mm. to. Like the fold into normalcy, essentially, but actually, her sacrificing herself doesn't really fit with that.
1: Um, no. So really. The um the yeah, I wonder why they changed it to not be a stake through the heart. Um, I wonder if it was because it was, would be like gory because there's no uh, gore in this, is there? That's true. Um, the uh yeah, I, I, it's been a long time since I read Dracula, but I have a feeling that the equivalent of Alan, who I think is called Mina. Yeah, that sounds actually. Um, I feel like she's a bit more rounded than Alan is. I think she is less pathetic. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. That could just be my my false memories kicking in. Fallacies. The fallacies of my mind. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah, I mean, there's not a great deal to say about it, is it? No. I mean, and in fairness... It, the, it, we, we don't see a lot of character development in general. <laughs> because no. Of, I, I don't know about that. I haven't seen enough silent films to know if it's possible to give a, to make a, a really rounded character in a silent film. I'm sure it is. I'm
0: sure, like, yeah,
1: maybe. Like, I
0: feel like, the, like people talk about some silent films being, like, really moving, like, people crying. So you'd have to feel some kind of, like, yeah. emotional attachment. <clears throat> to... There was
1: also a recent-ish, like, in the last decade or so, silent film that won loads of awards. Can you remember Oh man. Uh, it was cool like the, the something. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I remember now? Right, yeah. Um I didn't see because I had absolutely no interest in seeing it, but um <laughs> so that's, that's not thanks nice to bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I, I don't even know that I've seen any other silent horror films. I know there's the cabinet of Doctor Caligari, is that oh. silent?
0: I don't know I've, heard the, I've heard the name ones, that's, isn't it? That's, that's another Horror classic I have seen it. Yeah
1: it's the one That's got those sets That are all kind of like It looks all like Very kind of like Picasso-y Kind of oh, like Oh um,
0: And it kind of That's like What that um, The Smash of Pumpkins video Like Borrowed from
1: oh,
0: anyway, I don't know that it's Fine fine But I trust you Great thank with you That's heaven, kind, kind With my
1: whole heart Oh And being <laughs> Um <laughs> The, uh, yeah, so that's women, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, there's no people of colour. Um... No, but I guess I guess that there's the kind of the the, the reading of racism and anti-Semitism. Yeah, um, great. The, which isn't necessarily a reading of someone suffering from racism. It's just that the reading is that this film is racist yeah. uh, or anti-Semitic. Um, yeah.
0: Um... So it's that, that's great. Is that, great representation um, there. <laughs> uh, you know. um, that's, that's it, isn't it really what we usually talk about? And queer stuff. Oh, um, queer <laughs> stuff. I mean, yeah, it's always a, like vampire films, there's always like a queer like, like yeah, element to the fact that, like, I mean, a bit where he sucks on his finger and stuff. And says, mm. shall we spend the night together? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then nibbles his neck while he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, I think, what yeah. we
0: can say about representation.
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about the queer thing because I was just like, well, of course there's not going to be any queer representation because it was from 1922, but it was, it was only, like, 13 years later when The Bride of Frankenstein came out, which has a really queer scene where the blind man meets Frankenstein and they kind of bond and become friends. It's, like, one of the most beautiful horror film scenes ever. Um, and that was by James Whale, who was a gay... And he made. Another gay! Yeah, and then he made Old Dark House, not until the 60s, but that was also super gay. So we're on the cusp of like gayness in horror. Gayness. Um But yeah, it wasn't quite there yet. But I think there is always some kind of implied by. Yeah. Uh, the sort of penetrating. Um, yes. <laughs> of, of the vampire.
0: Yes. Um, the kind of bisexual fluid nature of vampires is biting anyone.
1: Yes. Um, greedy <laughs> greedy
0: um yes so that's that really um, we do the awards sure thing hun um well, i've i i forgot which order of the categories go in okay, so well, i mean
1: the first thing is the song oh yeah fuck
0: let's go <laughs> oh stop looking at me you do it i
1: did it last time
0: okay Awards, uh, awards. Uh, We've done that oh, before. No. Okay. Awards, uh, awards, awards, uh, awards, 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 awards,
1: Oh. Jaunty. <laughs> best character. My best character is the hyena werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said I had, I can choose between the cock, at the oh, end, yeah, nice cock. <laughs> or the uh, the woman that pokes her head around the door to get, uh, and he says, "Get the doctor," <laughs> and then she yes. goes. <laughs> She's a good one. <laughs> uh, what do you think was the spookiest bit? Um, well, I quite
0: the bit on the ship where um, that you see like the ghostly, transparent version of him, like it's like sitting on the coffins or like leaning on them. I thought that looked quite cool. Um, obviously, it wasn't really scary, but nothing in the sun's that scary. Mm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the, I mean, the most obvious bit is him creeping up the stairs. But again, it's, it's kind of iconic rather than scary. But the the bit afterwards, which I think is overlooked, is where you see him just like in almost darkness. You can just see his face kind of over Numbing the side, gnawing on a neck. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's quite a beautiful shot and, and chilling. Yes, yes. Uh, funniest bit? Uh, Nostrachu
0: carrying his coffin through the town <laughs> like a little sneak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Just like, like, very, very cute as well. <laughs> I, I think he's just adorable. <laughs> he's such like a little, little nerd with his little funny hats and his funny outfit, just sneaking around. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think in general, like it's a, it's just a very funny film. Like I've seen it in a in a like a, a cinema, like maybe. Two or three times, definitely two times, maybe three times. Once with a live orchestra, once not with one. Um, and it, it's a film that elicits laughter from the audience now because I think it, it's, um, I don't know if it's just the nature of silent films and the kind of like sparseness of it or the overacting that yeah, happens yeah, in it. Thing. Um, but also it is just quite funny. Yeah. Um, to a modern audience. I think in uh, general it's a very funny uh, film. It's, it's
0: funny as well because it's just like there's some bits for like, people just staring at each other's faces for ages for no reason <laughs> and you're like what are they doing
1: what's happening here <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes I, I don't, didn't have a specific funniest moment but I think it was very funny in general yes
0: good one yes true um,
1: uh, the best death
0: I don't know
1: um, I guess
0: like the combo of hers and then Nasrati is probably the best
1: yeah, I had two that I enjoyed most. One was Alan's, just because of that kind of shot of mm. him biting a neck. Um, and the other, I really like when the shipmate kind of throws himself into the sea to escape. Uh, the. Um, but he might not even die, he might swim home. Well, so who knows? Well,
0: that was my worst death. Is it? Uh, because it looked like he just kind of like stumbled and just fell overboard.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think that was a worse one, which is the captain's death, because we don't see it. Oh, um, right, it yeah, just yeah. says, like, there's a new captain of the death ship or something, and yeah, then yeah. we see his corpse later. Um, what do you think the queerest moment is? Well,
0: it has to be the bit where he sucks his finger, like, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, uh... yeah I I said to the bit that follows that, which is like, we should spend the night together. <laughs> I, I'm not tired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and finally, I don't necessarily have an answer for this, but who's the sexiest character?
0: Well, I don't find her sexy, but I think she is, like, a glamorous babe. It's, like, Ellen. She's, like, kind of, like, an iconic kind of goth babe. She's, like, always wearing black and, like, just this kind of, like, really cool, like, shiny, perfect black ringlets. Yeah, Um, and, like,
1: completely, like, there's no, uh like, contours to her face because she's so pale. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, like, really exaggerated eye-makeup, obviously, they have that in the olden days. Yeah. And, no, but, yeah, I think she, she looks really cool. I think she looks especially cool when she's at the seafront and, like, the wind is blowing her ringlets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I do have a little crush on the ship's mate, who threw himself uh, <laughs> at the side. I did
0: consider him for a split <laughs> second, and then, like, straight after you see, like, a kind of look close-up of his face... And then there's a wide shot and he's, like, hunching around. Like like, yeah, kind of weirdo. I like though. that. Yeah, hot. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: actually aroused now uh, just thinking about hot. it. Hot. <laughs> um, okay, so final thoughts. Final did you th- thoughts. Was this the first time you'd seen it? It
0: is my first time. Maybe even my first time seeing a silent film, actually, as well. Ah. Um, so, uh, I well, I, I, going in, I was hesitant. Um, because I just couldn't imagine how silent films could be interesting. Um, but it, yeah, it was good, very entertaining and very funny, as you said. Um, and yeah, a a good film, surprisingly so, given it was a silent film. Mm. Um, yeah, um, great.
1: How many pumpkins? Oh,
0: push into the pumpkins. I thought you were going to do a little... Oh, would
1: you like my summary? Yeah, go on. Well, my, I think I can't really review this film, um kind of unbiasedly because it has a very special place in my heart um i have a yeah it's i have kind of sentimental feelings about this film just because um like you should definitely see it in a cinema one time and if if possible we should go and see it with a live orchestra because it just it makes it all the more kind of like incredible (laughs) and weird um and also it's just a very funny very funny film. Um, and really iconic. Like, so many iconic moments. And its influence on other films is so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I absolutely love it. How many pumpkins? Um, pumpkins! pumpkins. <laughs> um, uh, um,
0: it's a tough one because it's kind of its own thing in a way. And so it doesn't really fit in the 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 way that I'd normally... I don't know. like Comparing it isn't really... It's hard to do. So... I guess I'm gonna be more generous because of its uniqueness, nerve, and talent, (laughs) Um, and also charisma. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, I think I'm gonna give it four pumpkins. That's very generous for you.
1: Yeah, because I, you know, I
0: was I went in with very low expectations, and I was sort of blown away.
1: So yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, I think it's just super fun, isn't it? Yeah, Um, it's a romp. Yeah. I was also thinking, it's probably the sort of thing that you could watch... You know, like, some people watch videos on, like, double speed. Oh, yeah. I bet you could watch that on double speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, like, watch it in, like, 40 minutes or
0: something. Well, there are some weird bits which you, like, you kind of have to unpick for a bit because you're like, what, 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 what? what?" Um, So, yeah, maybe. But, yeah, like...
1: Yeah, I, I was very conscious that I've seen it very recently, and I've seen it a lot of times. So the plot for me is quite easy to follow, but there were moments where you were a bit confused, and I was like, actually, I first time I watched this, I probably didn't find it as easy to follow as I do now.
0: I mean, I still don't, I mean, it must be sort of more fleshed out in the Dracula story, but I still don't really understand how Nock got in touch with
1: Count Olaf slash Not Olaf, that's off, Then yeah, um, no, What is it, Ola? Well, Olark. Is it? Olark. Olaf's <laughs> off, uh... Series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, I thought
0: it? I was going to say, um, uh, oh, frozen. frozen. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> what is the one? Maybe it is Count Olaf in a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. but yes, also Frozen. Um, that probably wouldn't be as scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does the kill out the same man. Um, anyway, um, what was it? It's say? unclear what the relate. Yeah, you know, like how, like how they got in touch with each other, like, and why. Well, it's, it's a letter, isn't it? That he well, received. Yeah, but then, like, like, does he get all, like, possessed immediately just by reading the letter?
1: Yeah, that's not clear. And when I rewatched it again recently, I... I thought that at some point, Nock and uh, Nosferatu actually met, but they don't even meet each other. in, in the day. No. Um, but he yep. obviously has this kind of overpowering thing. But, but then from, from the very beginning, Nock is kind of, like, a sort of quite shady character that seems a little bit kind of, like, on the cusp of evil anyway.
0: Yeah, so... Maybe they got in touch through occult means. Yeah. Maybe an old-fashioned occult internet, perhaps. I expect that was it. Yes, that explains yeah. everything. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't see the bit about them, tra- them travelling by the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, probably made more sense for, uh, to England in the original book, but
1: I don't, I don't
0: understand what they yeah. were thinking.
1: I, I mean, there are a lot of plot differences in the book. What I remember is the main I remember this the book is it's brilliant but it does tail off a little bit at the end I think but it starts he the the main character goes over to the, the castle and is there for quite a long time it's not just like a yeah because I've seen like Bran
0: Stoker's Dracula but um, so, he's yeah, exactly. and there are other vampires yeah exactly there, like, women. Like, he gets like sucked into that kind of like harim of like yeah. vampire ladies who like suck for yes. like yeah, yeah, months yeah. and months or anyway. um, um, but yeah um, but yeah, it's yeah, also I unclear think. why he doesn't just leave once he signed the contract, because he's, like, there flopping on the two days being haunted by... Him. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, it's just, like, so, just little things in the story, but it's just, like, so, yeah. Um, but it's fine. Yeah.
1: Well, I also I get four pumpkins. I thought you were going to hate it. I think yeah. you were five pumpkins. No, um, no. no. It's, it's, I it's, mean, in terms, if we were just like, like rating, rating it on it it's like significance sure I'd Take give it five pumpkins, pumpkins but the as a film, film I think it's a very good, good solid four So I really love fibrous four yeah well well done Osiratu well, that's Sarah. a total of eight pumpkins delicious eat eat pumpkins eat damn pumpkins
0: It's time for the Spooky <laughs> Uh So I would say I did flip-flop a little bit on this uh, spooky bit because there are obviously a million different things about vampires. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Carmella, which is obviously um, the lesbian vampire story that was in 26 years before Dracula. And it uh, was completely ripped off by Bram Stoker, um, which gets overlooked quite often. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I was going to talk about it, but it's just it basically everything I, I read about it was just basically gave away the whole plot, and I thought people might want to read it or see a like, film adaptation.
1: Is there a film adaptation of Carmela? There's
0: a few. Um, I don't think they're very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's funny because I've come across the character of Carmela in different like things, like some vampire things I've seen before, but I didn't know her relevance.
1: It's funny, actually, when you were saying that Alan was a gothic beauty, I was just like, "Yeah, she kind of reminds me of Drusilla from Buffy." Ah! <laughs> um, so
0: yeah, so uh, today's story is apparently a true one, um, and it's—I've lifted it directly from a website slash blog called Historic Mysteries, um, and it was written by uh, Les Hewitt, um, and it is the Croglin Grange Vampire of Cumberland. <laughs>
1: You know, that's what I imagine people not from England I think English places are called. I, I must take my picnic to Crogland Green to <laughs> so, Cumberland.
0: So I, I, I apologise for not being in my own words. And uh, I'm reading in the style of Les Hewitt. So I love Les Hewitt's style. He has beautiful writing. Um, so let's go. Um Nearly all cultures have stories about creatures of beings, all beings that return from beyond the grave to feast on the living during a house of darkness. In the West, the vampire has taken on a whole new persona over the last century or so. The roots of pop culture's most famous monsters are traced back to Eastern European folklore. However, similar creatures go back thousands of years in various civilizations. One early incarnation of the bloodsucker emerged in England during the 1800s, when Augustus Hare told of the Crocklin Grange vampire in his autobiography, Story of My Life. It's a great
1: title for an autobiography, isn't mm, yeah. it? Yeah. Sounds like something that someone mm. off East End does. <laughs> <realize. laughs> this is the story of my life. Or like when and Clemens called us <laughs> the head of an earring. <laughs> 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 the best autobiography. So it the best. Have I told you what I would call my autobiography? <clears throat> Oh, I probably you have Because I've got quite a limited repertoire you said again I would call it A good book to curl up and die with that's, yeah, that's <laughs> Thank you And you know there's also a hairdresser called Curl up and die it's, Oh I see what they've done yes, there. Good. Yeah it's um, a <laughs> Anyway. Um Yeah Anyway I might sue them <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um so the Quagland vampire, <laughs> it's so weird every was never say Quagland. Uh, also, um,
1: sorry to interrupt, but I'm yes. just wondering, you know vampire bats? Yeah. Were vampire bats named for vampires or were bats, no, were vampires named for vampire bats? Um, I don't know why I think you would know this. I don't too. know,
0: but I'd imagine it's sort of like it would come from vampire folklore because the probably no, know. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Um, so, uh, as I said, the Coghlan vampire was said to have been at least a couple of centuries old. Uh, perhaps this is, uh, perhaps this story is merely a story. However, hair portrayed it as one based on truth. A popular. Hair
1: portrayed, it is based on truth.
0: It's the name of the author,
1: Augustus Hair. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So I can't even begin to make that make sense. The wig portrayed (laughs) as false. (laughs) Um, Anyway,
0: um, a popular form of literature or storytelling at the time was the type one might find in the Penny Dreadful pamphlets. Um, These were works of fiction that were uh, unusual. Sorry, usually about pirates and highwaymen and uh, gothic in style. The following story about the Crogland Grange vampire might be one example of that style, um, or even the Victorian equivalent of an urban legend. Nonetheless, many people believe that there may be some truth to this story. So um, Augustus' Hare claimed that Captain Fisher had told him a really extraordinary story connected to his own family. Mm -hmm. Um, The Fisher family had had a long-standing presence of several hundred years in Cumberland at a place they called Crogland Grange. Um, the family eventually grew out of their house, thus they decided to relocate to the south. But instead of leaving their property vacant, they chose to lease it out to paying tenants. Um, the clan... Cram- uh,
1: landlords are scum. Yes. Uh, also ACAB, because we seem to Grand have an episode. Yes. Um, also, we did talk about police today without mentioning ACAB. So. What? So just, uh, if I don't have time to edit it back in, <laughs> <say crap>. ACAB, <laughs> then we've uh, said it now. Yes. Um,
0: so, uh, the Cranswell siblings, two brothers and a sister, took up residence in a single story farmhouse. Winter came and went without incident. Uh, the following summer was a muggy one. Um, <laughs> one, uh, on one oppressively hot night, the tenants took the opportunity to watch the moon before finally turning in. The sister, Amelia, lay on her bed on top of the covers and closed the bedroom window. The shutters remained unlocked though. Um, unable to settle down to sleep in the heat, Amelia gazed out of her window. Uh, a church, uh, complete with its own graveyard, stood behind a line of trees. Her eyes caught a glimpse of something concealed in the twilight. Uh, two flickering lights seemed to be moving among the clops of trees visible from her window. Uh, she was intrigued at first, but the longer she watched, the more nervous she began to feel. In a moment, both lights started to emerge from the tree line and into view. It looks as though the lights were a small part of a more substantial form. A humanoid form. Ah. Um So as the figure approached the farmhouse, the startled and terrified... So is
1: this... Is Was that his... his laser Or saying they were like eyes. I guess so. Like, unless he has like, yeah, sort of lights, lights on his chest. chest. <laughs> but, like because <perfectus. laughs> yeah. he's, 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 he's cycled there. <laughs>
0: um, So as the figure approached the farmhouse, the startled and terrified young lady suddenly found the compulsion to act Amelia raced to the door, arriving just in time to unlock it. I think I must be seemed um, it. <laughs> come <as> though- in! <laughs> Strange! <laughs> Quick, <moment>. come <laughs> in! Glowing, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, it seems as though this was not a moment too soon. As she fumbled at the lock, Amelia could hear a scratching sound coming from outside her bedroom window. Despite her growing terror, she dared one look, uh, one look backward. Standing outside the window, almost filling it, was a hideous face that had fierce glaring eyes. Bony fingers made efforts to open oh, the, the window. The face was fully filling the window. I know, a giant vampire face. <laughs> <laughs> um, bony fingers made efforts to open the window for a couple of seconds before stopping. A new noise made Amelia freeze with even more fear. Whoever was outside was now picking at the what was it? Lead low no, lead seals of the window. Lead seals. The lead seals. No sooner had the sound rendered her mobile... Then another made her blood run cold. The window fell out and one arm levered into the open window from the inside. Um, what? Anyway. Um, unable to move or even raise an alarm, the thing moved quickly and was beside her in a moment, teeth nestling into her, expo- her exposed neck. Now she felt able to scream. Her shrieking alerted both her brothers who came to investigate.
1: Uh, I think I would have woken them up by now. Yeah! Hello. The problem now was I'm a giant going. face <laughs> <laughs> and bony fingers <laughs> <laughs> clambering at my <laughs> lead seals. <series. laughs> <laughs> 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 um <laughs>
0: After breaking down the door, the invader fled back uh, the way it came. It came, uh, way it come. Uh, <laughs> Amelia's brother took up pursuit, but he was no match for the giant strides of the creature. The giant face, <laughs> the giant face of the creature. Uh, it disappeared beyond the wall of the churchyard. Um, Amelia was bleeding quite heavily, but. Um, but passed off her attacker as an escaped convict from a lunatic asylum, for some reason, with a giant face. Um, (laughs) He suffers from (laughs) mad big (laughs) face-itis. Given her ordeal and the fact that she regarded herself as a girl with very little superstition, it was perhaps an understandable conclusion. I don't think so. Um, Um, I think it was was further stigmatising her mentally ill. Yes. Um, Amelia did recover from her wounds, but needed to recuperate. Um, the three of them went to Switzerland so they could completely recover. Some of the people did that. The others say, "I must go to Switzerland to recover." Um,
1: <laughs> I, I used to work with an old man who told me um, that he was once ill, and on the NHS they funded a holiday to like Cornwall by the sea for him, oh. for him to get like sea air. Um, that can't be
0: medically proven because I've heard of people like going to like hot countries to try and like shift like phlegmy be- coughs. To me, that kind of makes more sense, but I'm sure it's
1: all nonsense. Well, if you remember in the Witches, oh. uh, the grandma after her funny turn is ordered to go to the hotel in Cornwall. Maybe I've conflated stories. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone goes. <that. laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been prescribed
0: going to Cornwall to a hotel full of
1: witches? On the LH show Jeremy. Corbyn. No,
0: <Alban>. no <laughs> <laughs> this is the future liberal songs. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, while there Amelia yearned to return to Crogland. Because uh, of its beautiful name. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, despite the events that <laughs> took place, she and her brothers still liked the area and they were popular amongst the residents. Uh, the decision <laughs> was, Amongst uh, the Krogler <laughs> 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 The local Kroglers. <laughs> um, the, the decision was uh, Amelia's and she decided to return insisting that lunatics do not escape every day of the week. I, I
1: mean, she seems pretty like she's got a head screwed on. Her neck written.
0: When they returned home, they spent another placid winter in Croglin. Uh It was during the following March that Amelia began to hear the unmistakable scratching at her window once more. This time, mm. she acted promptly and decisively, screaming for help before the same creature. Uh, what? Held before The same creature from before Managed to gain That wasn't well written Uh, les. Les, uh Before it managed to gain Access to her room Both of her brothers responded quickly Only this time They were armed Um <laughs> They had arms Um Her <laughs> Scream also forced the creature to flee And it was heading back The way her it comes Her scream
1: secreted a flee <laughs> I wish uh, <laughs>
0: What did you say? A scream also forced the creature to flee. Um, (laughs) Ah. And it was heading back the way it had come when um, one brother took aim and fired. Uh, Despite being hit in its leg, the monster still made an escape. Only this time the brothers were able to track it. The beast had taken refuge inside a crypt that had once belonged to the family from the area. Um... The brothers decided against entering the crypt at the time, and instead they would gather a posse and investigate at daybreak. When they opened the tomb the following morning, they discovered several coffins. Only one of them was intact, but the lid was ajar and laying loosely on top of it. Inside of it was a corpse with a fresh bullet wound in one leg. They removed the body, brought it outside of the crypt, and lit it on fire. <laughs> right, might as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> And this was the tale of the Croglin vampire. This was the tale of Fraggle Rock. So that's a true story from the book Story of My Life. Who uh, wrote that, the vampire? By, by Auguste's hair. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, ever been to Croglin?
1: <laughs> no, but I, I'm going to book it now. Um, so I wonder, like, if they were then... Uh, if the the woman was like... 'Cause she seemed to be like, well, it's fine, I mean it's happened and it's not gonna happen again, and then it does happen again. Was she then like, now we should move from Crogland town? But <laughs> we are popular with the locals. And it and it doesn't happen all the time. It happens once every summer. It's happened um, twice now, but I think that's all the times it can <laughs> You don't get struck by lightning twice. <laughs>
0: I don't. I, I think if it just happened once, I wouldn't want to go back
1: there. To be honest, no, probably not. No. Who's your favorite fictional vampire? Oh my
0: god, I wish I could have prepared for this. This oh. is such a good question. Thank you. Uh, who's yours?
1: Um, I'm probably. This is probably not my final answer, but the one that comes to mind most pressingly, apart from like Spike, is um, who is also a rapist. So he just doesn't. Yeah, I don't know, um, a Spike fan. He um. Is uh, is Eli from Let the Right One In? Okay. Um, because in the book, <clears throat> uh, it's suggested that Eli is a castrated boy. Um, so I have to like. Him. That, that's not the only reason, <laughs> but there, there is like a nice little sort of trans element there. Yeah. Um, but also, she like she like looks after the little bullied boy. Um, and kind of uses like a, a dirty old man to do a bidding for. Like she's just cool.
0: Yeah. Um, um, I literally, my mind has gone blank, and the only one I can think of is um, in the early, like if you, if, uh, early season of Buffy. Um, there, there's a Willow from an alternate dimension who is a vampire and also a sassy lesbian. Um, and it's funny because it's like, yeah, foreshadowing her becoming a lesbian oh, later on. and Dark but also, Willow. also, yeah, Dark Willow, but yeah, she's like... Oh, um, I, don't, I don't
1: remember that episode. I just started rewatching watching Buffy, actually, but I do have to do it, take it quite slowly because as you know, and this might be controversial, I find Willow absolutely insufferably annoying. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, because she makes some funny comments. She's like, she says something like, oh, she's so mean and maybe a little bit gay. <laughs> um, and then, and then she become a gay. Um,
1: but yeah, there must be other ones. But yeah, if I had more time, I, I don't. well, maybe we'll do another vampire themed film soon, and yeah. we'll discuss it at further length. Yeah,
0: we can do it Vampire of the Week. <laughs>
1: Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Bloody Mary's Podcast. And that's Mary's with a Z. And thanks for our theme tune from uh, The Pink Pound. Uh, You can follow them at The Pink Pound Sound. And if you're enjoying Bloody Mary's, please like, subscribe and share with all your friends.